Hello everyone, welcome to The Designer's Dossier, a podcast by Winter Moon Games Tabletop about board game design journeys and how we can all help each other cultivate community and creativity. I'm your host, Chris. In this episode three of The Designer's Dossier, I'm going to be talking about this idea of what it feels like or what it means to be emotionally invested in your game. Now, if you're a creative person, then you're emotionally invested in probably everything that you create. Well, that is a good thing, in my opinion. I don't want to shed any negative light about being emotionally invested or passionate about your projects. What I do want to talk about, though, is how you separate those two things, because when we are emotionally attached to our game, sometimes we can develop blind spots that make it more difficult for us to work on those things and maybe even change them. If you're really emotionally invested in something, it's also a lot harder to take constructive criticism, as oftentimes that can feel a bit personal. So what I want to do, like we always do in this show, is kind of deconstruct this idea a little bit. Find a way we can maybe strike balance between the two of being emotionally invested but not being so invested that if things don't go our way, we're not left devastated and picking up the pieces. As usual, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Now, I gotta go back about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. I had already been working on my game for several years, had a couple bouts with failure, kind of been struggling to get it out there, struggling to find a way to make things work, and I was at a convention. I'm gonna totally name this person because he's an awesome guy. I ran into Tim Fowers. He's the designer of games like Fugitive, and Burgle Bros, he's a great guy. And back when I was starting to first work on my game, he was kind of helping me a little bit, sort of just as a mentor in a way. He even offered me to come visit him and kind of go along with some of his game nights and learn from him a little bit. I never actually did that, and I wish that I had because he was seemingly interested in me as a person and just we kind of connected. I highly recommend checking out Fowers Games. This is Tim Fowers Publishing Company. He's got a lot of great games out there. Just a great, genuine guy. And if he's ever at one of your conventions and you're there after closing hours, you might hear him playing his bagpipes throughout the floor. Anyway, I remember talking to Tim one day about my game and kind of venting to him a little bit about how I was struggling and how I wasn't getting anywhere. And he asked me, well, how long have you been working on the game? And I think at that point I said like, I don't know, four or five years, which is long. It's a long time to be working on a game. And he kind of just looked at me side-eyed and was like he you know he tried to find a nice way to say it but he was kind of warning me he said and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit because it was a long time ago but he said something along the lines of you know being that emotionally connected to it if this isn't working out it's going to be a lot harder for you to move on and at the time I don't know if I really fully understood what he was getting at I think I received it and it made sense but until I really stopped to think about it years later I finally realized that he was right probably one of the best slivers of advice I've ever had from an industry professional and it really wasn't even advice it was more just like a little bit of wisdom (laughs) and it was something that I just really wish at the time I had taken to heart and made some changes. What I came to find out was those words would ring around in my head for years later as I continued to work on my game. What was happening was my game was kind of not working. There was a lot of things that were holding me back. And I've talked a bit about this in other episodes, but more along the lines of mechanics and how I was going about marketing the game, how I was going about making changes. I was kind of discombobulated and all over the place. I'm going to do another episode just on what I would see now as the 
proper quote unquote order to do things in. But going back many years, I didn't know what I was doing. As you've heard me say before, I was kind of making it up as I went along. And so there were times where I knew I needed to make a huge adjustment or maybe even scrap the game as a whole in some major way. And I couldn't bring myself to do it because I was so emotionally invested. There's also been a lot of times where I've thought, maybe I need to step away from this project and work on something else to try and develop you know, excitement around something new. I never wanted to walk away from my first game because I was so emotionally invested and somewhat financially invested. I had made a lot of sacrifices to get the game to that point. I couldn't walk away from it. I had so much tied into its success. I kind of put all my eggs in one basket and was counting on this game succeeding. And if it didn't, there was no way around feeling devastated and hopeless at the end. And as I talked about a little bit in my first episode, I kind of watered it down a little bit. But when I first failed Kickstarter, I was crushed. And then this more recent time when I tried to fund on GameFound, you know, I was more prepared for that failure, as I said, but it still really hit me hard. I'm so emotionally invested in Pandemonium Estate, the game that I made, that it's hard for me to ever think about even shelving it for a while and doing something else. But I think that they can coexist. I think you can be emotionally invested in a game and still properly market it, properly deal with it, and really not take things too hard. You just have to kind of train yourself to say, okay, I'm emotionally invested, but I'm going to put the past in the past. I'm not going to worry about how much money I've spent, how many failures. I've had. I'm just going to focus on what's in front of me. I've definitely gotten a lot better at taking constructive criticism, and I'm going to do an episode on criticism because it's such a huge topic, and I think it needs to be talked about. The tough people it's hard to receive from are people like my wife or my family members, people I'm more emotionally connected to. Their word and their input carries a heavier weight than the average, you know, gamer. However, I will say there are hobby gamers out there who can be pretty ruthless with their criticism. And it's sometimes tough. You know, you sit there, you get imposter syndrome, you're putting your game down in front of a game like Mansions of Madness or Eldritch Horror, and it just doesn't hold up. You know people have fun, but you just have gamers that sometimes they'll screw up their face or they'll look at you a certain way or tilt their head and kind of judge you or feels like they're judging you. And it's so hard to overcome that, especially if you put so much of yourself your identity, your finances into this game. It just makes everything that much harder to bear when it doesn't work out the way you had hoped. So you're probably asking me like, Chris, well then what do I do? Do I just not invest emotionally in my game? I mean, no, I I would never ask you to do that because as a creator, as someone who loves to create things, you're naturally going to put your heart and your soul and everything about you into your game. Like that's just who you are and how you're made. And I want you to do that. I encourage you to do that. But I think you have to have an honest conversation with yourself regularly along the way that says, okay, you know, maybe even make certain milestones for yourself that says, when I get to this point, if I'm not getting the feedback that I need, then I'm going to scrap this idea. I'm going to name drop again because he wouldn't mind. But a friend of mine, Jonathan Gilmore, who's also a great tabletop designer known for games like Dead of Winter, Dinosaur Island. I want to have him on the show and talk about his journey a little bit because he has a great story and I I just love talking with him. He's so easy to talk to. But he gave me some great advice recently when I actually hired him to develop my game with me a little bit. We had a 
post-game found failure development meeting that I paid him to come on with me and play my game. We looked at it together. It was great. And I highly recommend that if you need help, and there's a lot of people out there you could talk to, but Jonathan's been doing this a long time. He's a genuine guy. He just wants to help people make better games. And I think that that is great. And he's a, he's an awesome guy. Like I said, really easy to talk to. So check him out. Definitely hit him up. He would be glad to help you. But he said to me, Chris, when you're making changes to the game, those things maybe you're a little bit unsure about, take them out. And if you don't miss them, then they weren't supposed to be there. And you'll know right away. I would encourage you to take that advice and apply it to this whole idea of being emotionally invested because sometimes you can get emotionally invested in a concept or a mechanic in your game. I know I'm guilty of that. I had this idea for my game where, you know, it had to be a specific way and I was just, it was off the table to discuss any other option, but that way wasn't working. And I was getting feedback about it. People were like, I don't know how this feels, doesn't really work. And I would always try to justify it in my head. Like, okay, well maybe they're just not my audience. And sometimes that's true, but there was a lot of times the same feedback was coming out and I just wouldn't let go. I was convinced that this particular mechanic had to be in because I had developed it or I had created it or I somehow felt protective of it. So it's a very real battle that you're going to have with yourself that you're really just going to have to learn how to be disciplined and talk yourself through these situations because it really is just an internal struggle. I think that this next comment might seem a little harsh to some people, but I really just got to be as blunt as I can be when I say not all of your ideas are gold and neither are mine, right? We just have to come to terms with the fact that something we came up with maybe isn't the best idea. And if a lot of people are telling you that, especially professionals who've been doing this a while, you might want to consider changing it or adapting it in some way. So I think if you can be honest with yourself that you're not going to always get it right on the first try. That will help you sort of separate a little bit your emotional connection to the game. What I don't want you to sacrifice, however, is your passion for the project. You have to give every project your all. Whatever it is you're working on, you have to make it the best it can be. At least that's how I approach things. So yes, I may try and go back to the drawing board and work on something a little bit more manageable, a little bit more focused for manufacturing, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, whatever I put my name on. I want it to be great. And it's the passion that I have about creating, about making games that is important to maintain and not let go. But I'm learning and I had to develop this concept that if something is not working, I cannot let myself, my identity, my emotions be attached to it because it may not be long for this world. I think one thing that might also help not be emotionally attached to your game is trying to get it done as quickly as possible. Now, I don't mean rush through the creation of it, obviously, but one concept that I hear thrown around a lot is this concept of fail faster. I don't know who came up with it. I know Jonathan Gilmore, who I just mentioned, is the one who I think I first heard it from. I've heard that there's ways you want to try and expedite your game kind of failing and breaking as quickly as possible so that you can work around those hurdles and get the game done. In general, the longer you stay working on the same thing, the more emotionally invested you will be. Hence, Tim Fowers' wise words to me after he found out I've been working on my game for so long. Yes, if you're making a big game, a legacy game, for example, that's going to have sprawling campaigns, I mean, who knows? You're going to probably want to set aside time to work on those things and set up a plan for yourself. And just like I was saying before, 
before. Come up with milestones and say, if I'm not here by this point, then I'm going to scrap this idea and I'm not going to worry about it. If it's not in the game and I don't miss it, then it was the right call getting rid of it. Take it from me, being emotionally invested in your game is something that is really hard to overcome when you're in the midst of it all. It'll cause you to make decisions that you wouldn't otherwise make. For example, me going to GameFound before I was ready. I had this idea in my head that people were losing faith in me and that I was running out of time. And some of that may have been true. Most of it was probably imagined, but I made a deadline for myself and I just went for it before I was ready. I hadn't practiced due diligence to get the game where it needed to be to be successful. A lot of that was because I was emotionally invested, too emotionally invested. So I just went for it. I didn't care. I just was wanting to get the game off my plate and move on to the next thing. And when you put your game out on crowdfunding, be ready for comments. And some of them, you know, I was very fortunate on my recent campaign. People were pretty excited about it. A lot of them had a lot of good things to say, but there were a few people that were a little bit pretentious and said some things that I just didn't understand where it was coming from. They came through as a personal message too. So like, I don't know why they didn't just post it as a public comment, but you know, if you're going to put something out there that's to the public eye, just be sure that you're not that attached to it because sometimes the things that people say can feel like it reflects on us and on our identity and on our creation. If someone doesn't like something, like I've seen people play my game and flat out tell me that it sucks like to my face. And I don't know if that's really constructive. I've never said that to anyone's game that I didn't like. I tend to be a little more diplomatic with how I iterate my experience to the creator because I know what it's like to be emotionally invested in your game. I never want to devastate someone's dream or passion that they worked so hard on, but some people are less tactful. And so you got to just be ready for that and not being so involved emotionally with your game when you put it out to crowdfunding will help a little bit with that. This is a tough topic. You know, it's not something that I would actually consider myself an expert on. I don't even know if I'm qualified to speak on it because I still struggle with it. But I think now that I'm working on other games, I'm understanding more now that I'm keeping it at an arm's length. The game that I'm working on right now, I'm just trying to practice failing faster. That concept I was just talking about, that concept that I learned. Failing faster. I'm just trying to get the game out there, get a prototype, and just test things. So sometimes I'll make a test on Tabletop Simulator, and I'll just play a certain mechanic over and over again. If it doesn't work, I scrap it. I don't think Think about how my creativity is tied to this game. It's not. It is just a game that I am working on right now. And if it doesn't work, I can walk away from it at any time. I think part of it too is that this new game that I'm working on is a game that I'm considering pitching to a publisher. I think, yes, you can run the risk of feeling rejected and getting that tied to your emotion when you're you know, rejected by numerous publishers that you might pitch to. But I think once you hand the game off to a publisher, now it's kind of their problem and you don't have to worry about the rejection now it's off your plate and it's onto theirs. When you crowdfund, that game's success is directly tied to you. So it's very hard to often separate the failure of the game from yourself. It's easy to absorb that failure as your own and think that you're a loser and think that you know, you're know you never going to accomplish anything and then all those feelings of imposter syndrome creep up and it's just really tough. And if you're someone like me who struggles with that stuff anyway, like I struggle with depression a little bit, I struggle with feeling insecure, feeling like I'm not welcome, feeling like I'm not wanted, So those things are magnified when I feel like I have failed or my work, my perfectionism on display didn't measure up. Those things all come down to me not being willing to set a boundary between me and my game saying, you're just a game. 
I'm not going to let myself be emotionally invested in you. And the success or failure of you game is not tied to who I am as a person. So I would encourage you to not just take it from me. Talk to other developers and designers out there in the industry that have been through this, others that have successfully published games. They probably have a lot more to say on this issue. I hope that this episode has helped you kind of think about how invested you are, not only in your games, but your other creative projects and really anything for that matter. Like we shouldn't probably be that emotionally invested in our work either, but that's a whole other topic for another time and probably not one for this podcast. But when you go to bed at night, think about the things and prioritize the things that you want to be emotionally invested in. Do you really want to be emotionally invested in something that is so volatile, like the board game market that could change at any given day? And somehow now you've put all this money and time into it. It doesn't reflect on you. Okay. Just remember that whatever happens to your game, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. And if you succeed, don't let it go to your head either. That's the other opposite of this. If it goes well, if you're so emotionally invested, it could blow up your head and you think I'm this great designer now. Look at me. Always stay humble no matter what. That's going to be a virtue that you can take with you to your grave. And just remember that no creative avenue in this world is worth sacrificing yourself for. You are important. You have value. You matter. The success or failure of your game is not indicative of your status in this world as a human being. You will always have value no matter what you do creatively. I get it. I'm with you. As an artist, as a person who creates, we are tied to our work. It is who we are. We have to find a way to strike balance, find that boundary, and tell our creations, no, you will not have power over me. So I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. In the Winter Moon Games community, I just want people to feel loved and welcome and like they belong. So if that sounds like something that's good to you, you like this podcast, you maybe want to learn more about me or the games that I'm working on, please consider joining several of my communities. I'm on Instagram, Winter Moon Games. You can follow me on Twitter at Winter Moon Plays. I'd also encourage you to join the Discord server, and the best way to do that is to go to wintermoongames.com and click on the link. In fact, if you go to wintermoongames.com, you can sign up for our mailing list and get notified on all kinds of different things, and there's all the social links there as well, even to the YouTube channel where I do some video content, and pretty soon I'm going to get back into streaming, so make sure you're following the community. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to continue to encourage you. I'd love to continue to talk about things that matter like this. So thank you so much for listening to episode three of the Designers Dossier. My name is Chris, and I'll see you next week.